I'm Monica Belpass, a political powerhouse. Congressman Bob Brady decides not to run for re-election. What's the real deal? Let's get the inside story. Good morning and welcome to Inside Story. I'm Monica Melpass. Let's meet our insiders today. And they are A.J. Raju, attorney. Good morning, sir. Welcome. Jeff Jubilier, communications executive. Always good, morning, good to have Monica. you with us, Jeff. Charmaine Matlock-Turner, head of the nonprofit executive. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. And Christine Flowers, attorney and journalist. Good to see you again, Chris. Hey, Monica. Let's talk about Representative Bob Brady. He's been the head of the uh, Democratic <laughs> Committee for 30 years, chairman. He's also been a 20-year congressman from this area, considered to be one of the powerhouses, certainly of the state, the Northeast, and within the country. Uh, so let's talk about he decided not to run for re-election. He's still going to keep his chairmanship of the party. But it does certainly have reverberations not only in this area but around the country. Let's, let's hear your reaction. What do you think really happened here? Well, uh, we can only talk about uh, we don't know what happened other than the feds did not uh, see anything they can charge him with. So the statute of limitation passed. Uh, he is still the chairman of the, of the Democratic Party and uh, still has tremendous amount of influence uh, in Capitol Hill. I mean, they call him the mayor of Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. Now, what we have lost is a senior leader who would have been uh, chairman of committees uh, from Congress. Uh, you know, this is a trend where more and more members of Congress who are incumbents are dissatisfied with how c what the job is. Mm -hmm. And because it's such a tough job, you're all day long reacting to complaints and criticisms by the constituency. There is no result-oriented job anymore because you're not accomplishing much. You're just sort of yeah. dealing with crises and complaints. He did I, this is more of that trend. This is yeah. you know, Trey Gowdy, uh, uh, Congressman Brady. Many of them are not deciding to run again. This, I think, is a much larger trend of that. And he also mentioned family obligations. Mm -hmm. So partisanship and family, that could very well be the bulk of it, although there was a federal probe. They let mm -hmm. some of the charges lapse. The feds did, so they're not pursuing most of it, but it's still active technically. I, yeah, no, I think that all plays into the mix. And I wanted to revisit something that that AJ said, we are going to, you know, we look at this, he's, he's our representative, he's local, and, and uh, in fact, my, my business, my, uh, my office is located in his district, a few blocks down from his constituent office on South Broad, so we look at it as, as our, our congressman, but at a national level, we really are losing a powerhouse, and, you know, the guy out in Montana doesn't know what South Broad Street looks like, but they know who Bob Brady is, and as Nancy Pelosi called yes. him, the mayor of Capitol Hill. He has a lot of clout. So from that perspective, it's it's sad. It's regrettable that he's leaving. I do understand he did make some comments about, you know, family obligations. But I also want to say one thing. Um, his district has changed demographically significantly. Um, it's much more minority majority. But he has been able, over the past two decades, to reach out to all of those diverse constituents. And I will say one personal thing. I reached out to him years ago to help me with a, a very, very difficult, tough immigration case. Um, he was on the phone. His, his, um, you know, his assistants were helping me every step of the way. So he understands the intricacies of what it means to be a Philadelphia power broker and also get down into the weeds and help constituents. And I'm, fact, I'm, I'm sad we're going to lose that power He's base. been able to to negotiate deals that were not even within his age. It's just to help out on la the labor front, to help out when the schools were uh, loggerheads, to help in a number of ways in this area to just unjam the logjam, if you will. Yeah, and he's transactional. 
I mean, he's like, what do we need? I, I can do this and you can do this. Uh, he's a guy who literally didn't take President, former President Bill Clinton's phone call because he was be acting as a, serving as a plumber for one of his constituents. He's a guy who said, I realized this when I was watching the Eagles championship game in Washington by myself because I was waiting for a vote that never happened. I think, like AJ said, my first thing is, I think he just doesn't like it anymore as much. It's just not a fun place to be. And what we're, I know we're going to talk about is the district could metamorphosize into something different, which right. doesn't mean he's going to lose. Because he would lose. But case. there is a progressive movement which um, is happening in Philadelphia. There are a number of people. It's going to be tougher to raise money, tougher to uh, uh, win re-election. And we don't know what possibly is out there still in terms of uh, the folks who work for him and, and, and in the legal system. And we will talk about the second case in a moment. Let's talk, though, more about this, that you don't feel like th some of the pressure from the federal probe was maybe too much. You just felt like, let no, me step I aside and keep my legacy intact. Yeah, no, well, I think there are a lot of pressures that are going on. See, I think I think every one of the comments that um, the guests have made here today are absolutely relevant and play into what his final uh, decision was. I, I do think that family and age, I mean, that's, you know, I worked with him in city council mm -hmm. uh, when he was sergeant at arms, okay, just a few years ago. <laughs> uh, and uh, absolutely, he's been involved in this work a long period of time. Uh, I had an opportunity to work with him on a project where he had uh, homes in this district that were sinking um, and he was looking for a resolution and we worked very closely together to design a strategy and, and I will say he was absolutely hands-on to make sure that that worked and that it worked effectively. Um, so, I mean, I think he really loves working with people and getting things done, um, but the continued gridlock uh, that's going on in Washington as well as 2018 for the Democrats is going to be a big year, and I know we're going to talk about what that means, and I think he's going to be able to play a significant role in that. We've lost or will be losing a number of power brokers, though, including Representative Charlie Dent, Congressman Pat Meehan, Congressman uh, Tim Murphy, and now Bob Brady. When his term ends, he will not seek re-election, as we said. This is, is a vacuum now that's being created for our state, and it doesn't bode well for down the road getting money and action for this area, does it? Well, I'm not sure of that, because I think you have to absolutely look at what's happening across the country. You have now Congressman Evans, who, if anyone knows and understands politics and legislative systems, um, is going to be in Washington and is a quick learner. So I think that will definitely have that. Uh, Congressman Brendan Boyle is there. Uh, again, uh, another very smart guy who understands Washington. And if the Democrats, again, are able to get into the majority, and because a lot of people are leaving, that may create some opportunities for leadership that normally would not happen for Pennsylvania. But time matters. Uh, uh, all of that uh, is, uh, is true, but uh, seniority matters in yeah. Congress, and uh, uh, time served matters before you become chairs Absolutely. of various sure. committees. So it is a loss from that And our standpoint. senior congressperson in Philadelphia should is going to be none other than uh, Brendan Boyle. Right. Uh, he's very young. Uh, he works yeah. across the aisle. He's the head of this blue-collar Democratic caucus, and that's what hopefully uh, we need, mm -hmm. because they're going to have to still work. Even if Democrats take over, in Pennsylvania, it's, it may tighten. It's 13 Republicans to five Democrats. That's absolutely going to switch uh, between the, the folks retiring and the, and the, and the redistricting that's right. coming our way. And we have Dwight Evans as well. Right. Here's the unfortunate part for many people that uh, Congressman Brady was working on overhauling Capitol Hill sexual harassment policies yeah. in a right. time when you've seen numerous people on Capitol Hill have issues and decide to resign or leave in disgrace. And so what a crime that it didn't get finished, the work he was working on, on the one hand. I'm sure someone else will take that up, but he was working hard on it. In bipartisan manner. Absolutely. That, that's exactly right. Right, the bipartisan, and I th and I think again, the, one of the 
the things about Bob Brady is he, you know, head of the Democratic Party. He's a Democrat. You would never think of him as, as <laughs> the D is tattooed on his forehead. And yet, he is not a partisan Democrat. I, a Democrat. I wrote about that. He was able to reach across party lines, not just locally, but at a national level. And I think, you know, I, I, I mentioned an anecdote in, um, in, in the column that I wrote. I saw him at the Lanark Diner about a year and a half ago. He was sitting with his wife and he was having dinner. And I was wondering why he was out in, you know, Havertown. And he had just come from the Philadelphia airport trying to see if he could broker a deal to help out with that, that first Muslim ban, the first travel ban, right. to try and make sure that people could come in. And, you know, here I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican, and I looked and I said, you know, he really is someone that I can reach out to and deal with. So I do think the, the, the sexual harassment, you're absolutely right, that's a bipartisan deal, and um, I think that will continue. His legacy will continue on. It's not going to end simply because he's no longer going to be on Capitol Hill. All right, let's talk about the gerrymandering case that you referred mm -hmm. to briefly, Jeff, and the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did rule that our map, the congressional map across the state is uh, favors, in their opinion, the GOP. Of course, Republicans are going to um, appeal that ruling. We'll see how it impacts the May primary, that, <laughs> because there's a very quick calendar here where the uh, Supreme Court asked the legislators in our area to be done redrawing a map by February 9th and get it to the governor. Governor Wolf says he'll sign it if it's halfway fair by February 15th, and in uh, less than two months, it'll be in place, Do you, or two and a half. Do you think that that is asking too much? Should it really be, wait until 2020, or can we pull this off? Well, I mean, I think it would be difficult to, from a time constraint standpoint, to uh, redraw these lines, but but the, the issue of whether or not the Republicans who have a 13 to 5 majority, whether they you know, to the victor goes the spoils. Did they take advantage of that and draw the lines in their favor uh, two few years ago? I'm sure they did. <laughs> and, and in Maryland, really so. it's the other way around. You have the Democrats yeah. uh, that have drew, drew the maps in their favor. That's what gerrymandering is. It's as old as our republic. <laughs> and I think the court should intervene. But whether or not the timing uh, is appropriate, whether they need more timing, that's a separate issue. Um, it, there should be a bit more a balance. The ruling is yeah. also being called partisan because a number or the majority of the members of the Supreme Court are Democrats. So is that coming into play? Are you yeah, bothered by that? Uh, yes, but it was, it was a 4-3 decision. Right. Uh, Max Baer and Pittsburgh Democrat voted uh, not to, 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 to push it up to say that they shouldn't have to re redo it at this time. Um, it's the thing is going to be watched over the next several days. Uh, Supreme U.S. Supreme Court Justice Alito is taking a review of the case to determine whether it should be put on stay or stayed. Um, that very well could happen. The Supreme Court doesn't take up many many of these, and he's responsible for Pennsylvania sort of when they, they kick it up. Um, and that's caused Senate President in Pennsylvania, Joe Scarnati, to not release the data right. which helped them create the maps in the first place. This is really living in a world of bizarre. Right, but the Supreme Court is moving ahead. They have hired uh, staff uh, to begin this process yeah. because they have said we're giving we'll it, it to the legislature, yeah. right. get it done. Um, and for, if they don't, the court will do it for itself. Right. right, for right. the Senate, if, you know, you, I'm giving you an opportunity here. You have the information. Um, you have several uh, have congressmen. Well, yeah, but that, they could they get it. No, the it's opinion. not the Senate. The Senate yeah. has the information yeah. on redistricting. Not on the they case, can not give the, the redistricting <coughs> information to the oh, courts. Correct. Or otherwise, the courts should move ahead and make this decision. We have been waiting 25 years. The League of Women Voters, the Committee of 70, other citizens have been pushing for a long period of time to 
try to get a fairer system in Pennsylvania. And unless you push it hard, it will be something else that will be on the back burner that maybe we'll get to in another 25 years. Right. And as AJ was saying, I, wanna, I wanted to point out, if, if, you know, we talk about this. This is a bipartisan problem. In Maryland, it's, you know, if you have a majority of Democrats, they're the ones who are going to be able to make their districts look like a choking goose, like my district and, you know, my, the 7th <laughs> district. Um, and in Pennsylvania, we have Republican majority districts that are unfairly drawn. So this is, it's not simply, you know, one party against the other. It's the people have a right to be represented fairly along, you know, demographic lines. And it shouldn't to, be. To Christine's point, you know, uh, people care so much about this issue. Most people probably assume gerrymandering used to make movies with Dean Martin. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry because the power of the franchise, right. because now we understand the power of the franchise. If you don't vote, what the consequences are if the wrong people get elected and what that means to your day-to-day -day lives. And that's why today, you go to retail public, they're aware of the issue of gerrymandering. Yeah. And it is not just the talking heads and the analysts and the pundits yeah. and, the, and the insiders are talking about it. The regular public is talking about it. And that's a good sign. Yeah. Let's talk about Senator Bob Menendez in New Jersey. Uh, there has been a decision he will not be retried for alleged bribery. The courts uh, said that they did not agree with many of the charges. And in fact, federal judges throughout seven of the 18 most uh, heinous of the crimes that he was alleged to have done. So now he is going to run for re-election anyway, but with, uh, without this burden hanging over him because now the prosecutors have said they will not pursue the case. Good or bad for the state of New Jersey? I mean, it's good because it takes away the taint of sort of New Jersey and corruption and so forth and so on. Um, clearly, I mean, I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, fellow guests, that, that this is a Justice Department that is led by the Trump administration. For them to say, hey, we can't win this. The, the judge has taken away everything. We don't have any weapons, if you against will, the against them. Uh, we're dropping it. Menendez is going to win. He's going to win handily. I would argue he would have won regardless. He just will he'll win by more now than he would less because it's such a democratic state. Yeah, and I think when they looked at the decision, I mean, 10 to 2, even in the, uh, the hung jury right. case, I mean, the majority of people, super majority, were going to acquit him anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and I know the lawyers, you guys probably <laughs> have more information, but it appeared as if this was a... Uh, a circumstantial case where there was never really any hard evidence of the quid pro quo. No And you, as a savvy lawyer, I think just <laughs> it up the real. It's not the administration, Trump administration. Yeah. It's the McDonald case. Yeah. The McDonald case exactly. has made it very difficult, and the bar is yeah. really high to bring these cases. And that's even though it smells right. right. really, really bad to say, "Hey, luxury hotel. Here's trips. Private here's jets, private right. jets." But I don't want anything. Yeah, right. but the loser but in this is the, is the Justice Department. I mean, the prosecutor. It's a shame, but for you know, they they really to get that ten to, uh, people were saying, oh, it's it's New Jersey, it's the New Jersey voters. One of the voters actually, or I'm sorry, the jurors. One of the jurors said, well, we're not really sure what a senator does. I remember that was one of the comments <laughs> made. But it really is. I mean, the prosecutors just couldn't make their case. And right. you're right, it's McDonald. We'll leave it at that. Inside mm -hmm. Story continues right after this. Stick around. Six ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Welcome back to Inside Story. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court is going to consider whether the new soda tax in Philadelphia is, in fact, an illegal double tax. And let's talk about what that consideration means, because already a city judge said it's okay, the tax is okay, the Commonwealth Court said okay, but now it's been bumped up to the top court, and they're going to rule. What do you think will be the outcome? Well, there was a divided Commonwealth Court, and Supreme Court uh, has uh, decided to uh, hear the case, which they didn't have to. 
I don't know if that's a good sign or not. Um, and they will decide on one issue, whether or not it violates the Sterling Act. Um, I was in favor of, and I still am in favor of, the underlying premise behind the sort of tax of what we're trying to fund. My concern is that if you look at the revenues, they've been 15 percent below even the most conservative estimate. Is this sustainable? And can we put the money that we need to put in order to expand pre-K and to accomplish some of the original goals of Mayor Kenny, which I think are uh, uh, important, and whether or not we get the revenues from the soda tax or elsewhere, we still have to somehow figure out how to fix pre-K. It is a lot of money on the line here, and if they rule against it, then certainly it will impact the pre-K program. That's where the revenues have gone from the soda tax. How do you feel about it? Uh, I, I mean, it, it is, it's regrettable if it does impact the, uh, the pre-K program, absolutely. But, I mean, I've always been against the soda tax because I've always been against sin taxes. It's always the kind of thing where you're, you're, you're trying to, I know you're trying to find money from some sources, but you're basically telling people how to live their lives. And you're also, you're, you're, you're hitting a demographic. It's it's usually the lower income demographics that have more, you know, that they drink the more sodas and the and the carbonated beverages and what have you, and it's 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 hurting them more. So I mean, overall, I would be sad to see the revenues lost for the schools, but you know, we should try and figure out another way to get them instead of just. I, I do think that this is also troublesome because it does appear to be a double tax in a way. I mean, all right. We'll have to leave it at that. I'm sorry. Let's move on and talk about a new report about sexual harassment at the government level. And the report shows that Pennsylvania state officials have paid out $3.2 million either in legal fees or in settlements to allow anonymity in cases where they didn't want the bad publicity, apparently, uh, just in the last 15, 20 years. Now there are bills at the national level as well to try to stop these kind of uh, confidentiality agreements and payouts so that the light can come to these cases. What should be done here? Should Pennsylvania quit paying so much money without yeah, the light of I think we're getting the same kind of uh, a push at the Pennsylvania legislative level that you're getting in Washington. Uh, Leanne Kruger-Banneke, who is a, a legislator um, from the counties, um, has introduced legislation similar to legislation in Washington to say we have to stop this. Number one, we, we need to be clear about the fact that we cannot mistreat women in the workplace. And number two, you cannot use taxpayer dollars in order to uh, shove this under the rug. And the confidentiality agreements, in my opinion, have been used as a way for people to continue to get away with this Although behavior. some people, wanna, victim advocates, yeah. would say their victims didn't want to be right. publicized either and have their names hanging out there. So on the one hand, it helps them and it hurts them. What do you think? Well, I agree in, in the sense, uh, for that part, I agree with everything you said, in the sense that sometimes confident, a lot of women, you look at the situation with con Congressman Meehan, uh, the, the victim in that particular case, she does not want to, uh, she wants to talk about it at all. And we should respect that right for those that have been um, sexually harassed or abused, not to have to, to be out there and have their name plugged. I also want to say kudos to our controller, Rebecca Reinhardt, because she's going to look at, in the city, mm -hmm. the payoffs, whether it be the sheriff's office, department, uh, other departments, and what has gone wrong there as well. All right. We'll leave it at that. Thank you so much. We're going to have a fun Inside Story tailgate party to celebrate <laughs> the Eagles with our insiders right after this. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University.
Welcome back to Inside Story. Of course, we are all diehard Eagles fans. Tonight is the big game. We yes. could not end the program mm. without having our own tailgate party. So welcome <laughs> to the Inside Story tailgate edition. And we're munching on, of course, all the Philadelphia staples, tasty cakes, hoagies, and we have pretzels. Unfortunately, we couldn't get in any uh, cheesesteaks, but we love cheesesteaks. All of them, don't you worry. Anyway, <laughs> so I want to ask everybody around the table, what do you think is really going to go down tonight? Can they pull it off? Can some of our Eagles stop Tom Brady? What's your assessment, Charmaine? Here's you the ball. I'm ready. You, I'm going to catch first. I'm go. ready. We're definitely going to win. I mean, I was nervous, you know, during the, um, the, the playoff game and they just like, they just smoked it. I, I think that they're going to really do a good job. No, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I definitely think we're going to win by a touchdown. Is it a momentum <laughs> thing? You got the underdog shirt working. Who let the yeah, dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs yeah. out? And we're used to being underdogs in this town and winning anyway. Hey, all right. So go Super Bowl. That's how we do it. Go Amazon. Go. All right. Talk to Jeff. Jeff, you're up, man. What's happening? You can't put chemistry on statistics. Okay. You can't measure it. Passion. It's heart. It's guts. This team is the story of the year. I am not, I'm admittedly so, I have jumped on the bandwagon. I'm originally from Western Pennsylvania. I'm a Steeler guy, but this team is likable, likable, okay. yeah, I know. Likable, likable, likable. And uh, we all have to be anti-Patriots. The Patriots, they've been there, done that. Right. We want it That's more. Right. It's our turn. Speaking of statistics, right? Eagles, other than the uh, Packers, Eagles have gone for it for fourth, on fourth down more than any other team Ooh, in the NFL whoop. during you the season. You analyze, I like and that. Here, and here's why that is important. In order to go on the fourth down, this is not where you do long yeah. passes. It is hard-fought yard or two. You need a steely-eyed quarterback, a tough running back, and an offensive line that works yeah. together. That is the essence of teamwork. That team is built at the intersection of grit, and guts. We got and that. That's what defines the Eagles today. And quite frankly, that's what defines our city. We are located at the intersection of grit and guts, and that's what makes this year's particular Eagles team so special. All right, on the Christine. Right. And is that going to be enough, Christine? Yeah, nice. Little spiral. Little spiral. Lombardi. Very nice. Is that enough grit and guts to overcome a team that's been there so many times and won it, and they have a ring for every finger now? You know what? It is. Because, I mean, in 1960, it was the last time we had a championship. The next year I was born. Okay. So I have never <laughs> seen a Super Bowl. Philadelphians truly want this. So does that team. They want to give it to us. And, I mean, we, we have it. We have a great defense. We have a quarterback who stepped up so amazingly. And that story was unbelievable. And let's not forget Carson Wentz. I mean, that guy brought us to the promised land. Nick Foles is going to get us through the pearly gates. Absolutely. Um, but we are going to do this. Guys, we are going to do this. And, and you know, about the Patriots, uh, you know, I love the way they use that name. They pollute Boston Harbor, and then they think that they've created uh, something wonderful. It's going all But I do want to say also, it's the people also behind the scenes that are not going to be playing on the field that I think are a big part yeah, of Coach why Wilson. we're going to win. Nobody yeah. gave yeah. Yeah. The, the back yeah. office, yes. the decisions the that were right. made all year, the fact that people did not give up and give in on this. Mm -hmm. To my friend Ann Gordon, who's been telling all the stories out there about why the Eagles are so special. Coach Peterson actually made a prediction saying last summer he thought the team had what it took and people laughed at him. Exactly. Yeah. They did. Right. How about, how, how about Howie Roseman? 
Yes. Uh, Alshon right. Jeffrey, Jay Ajayi. Right. And also, <laughs> can, I, can we say Russia. something and about... And so many others. Can right. we yep. say something about Eagles of the past? Reggie White and Jerome are looking down from heaven, <coughs> as is Buddy Ryan, as is Jim Johnson, and, 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 and B-Doc, and Wilbert, and Harold Carmichael, mm -hmm. and Herman Edwards. I mean, this Michael is Clint. Michael Clint. Michael Clint. Michael Clint. Michael Clint. Keeping it loose this week, having some fun, and getting down to business, and taking it seriously. They know how to do that evenly without and going and too taking far. And all of their ministers with them. Yes, too. and yeah. I say, get God on our side. Yeah. No, we all get all the help we can get. No stone on.